Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. As we speak today, Athletic Director John Cohen and the other ADs from the SEC membership are uh, in Birmingham meeting with Greg Sankey and, and SEC officials to discuss the 2020 football season. I am told that meeting could run into the evening. They would like to be done no later than 5 o'clock, but I'm told that it could run over, that there are several issues to discuss, including protocols and contingencies and everything that could possibly happen. We do expect to hear that the SEC will play a conference-only schedule. And at this point, that's the only probably safe projection at this point. Like all of you, I am eagerly awaiting news of the meeting. I am sure the SEC will work up a release at some point uh, later today, complete with statements from Greg Sankey, kind of outline uh, what, what's going to happen next with SEC football. Like each of you, uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting with bated breath over all of this, and, and I'm going to get spend some time talking about this today on the show. Uh, there's some other things that are kind of going on in the world of sports that are uh, kind of connected to all this, so we're going to talk about some of that. Hope that you guys are well. Hope that you had a great weekend. Uh, interesting weekend for me. I like to give... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just one of those things. Um, some sometimes I think if I had if I, if I had uh, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. On the way home from my aunt's funeral on Saturday, had a breakdown there on I-59, and uh, you know Jason and Dawn and the good folks there at the bully shop there in Meridian came and rescued me. My car is not being uh, looked at down there, in Meridian. So one of those things, you know, it's uh, you know if it's not one thing, it's a dozen. But here we are, and I want to thank them for their for their friendship and uh, for their support of me. It, it was awfully hot out there, and there were some of you that passed me on on the interstate as I was walking uh, to get some gas, thinking that maybe perhaps that was part of the issue. But uh, but be that as it may, you didn't stop. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's good people out there. It's one of the things too that I have learned as I have matured is it is so easy to get caught up in negativity when negative things happen to you. It's so easy to feel like, oh, well, the world is aligning against me and that sort of stuff. But there's always somebody out there. There's always some nice person willing to help. And Jason and his family uh, just happened to be down the road when I reached out and said, hey, you know, Steve, we're just down the street. And within minutes, they were there. We had the situation resolved, and I was on my way to Macon uh, to meet my daughter. And they were nice enough to drive me uh, there. And uh, listen, I just, I just want to give them... You know, I, I told them thank you to begin with, and this is not about me or anything like that, but it's just a reminder that there are good people out there. And uh, I know Jason's a believer and uh, very involved with the church there, and, and uh, 
just find people that uh, really owed me nothing, but uh, but took care of me and made me feel like one of their own. Just wanted to say thank you publicly to them. Hope that you guys have those kind of friends in your life. Our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, they're your friends. They'll take care of you. You can find them in Tupelo and in Starkville, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle so many years. If you, there are a lot of people listening with all the craziness going on in the world. So people are thinking, you know what, Steve, I'm going to kind of dial it back a little bit. I don't know that I'm going to be eating outside or, or inside or anywhere really outside the comfort of my own home for a while. You can get an online order placed at eatwithus.com. Easy, easy, easy to remember. Eatwithus.com. You can make your Bulldog Burger online orders right there. And not to mention the other restaurants that are part of that great family. You, you can check that there. But Bulldog Burger Company has been a great sponsor of this show for many, many, many years. I encourage you to solicit them and let them feed you and your family. Great quality food, great prices, great service, great people. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. If you are not a member of Gene's page or perhaps not a frequent member or visitor of our website and or Facebook page, and you certainly should be if you're not, you missed late yesterday Mike Nemeth, Nemo, coming through with some scoop about the direction of high school football for 2020. According to Mike, he has spoken with sources close to the situation that there is a very, very real possibility that after a conference call on Tuesday, that the Mississippi High School Activities Association uh, could vote to move high school football back three weeks. Three weeks. Now, for those of you uh, like me that don't enjoy a lot of sweating unnaturally, you know what I mean? If I, if I have to stand to sweat, it's kind of difficult. And so, that being said, we're expected to see a delay, not not at this point a rescheduling. I'm not exactly sure what that means as far as district games or whatever. You know, do you do you play like what do you do about your crosstown rival and that sort of stuff? All of that is still being worked out. But your college football workouts have, have been going on, high school workouts have been going on, and, and you know, that's one of the things I think is that there's a lot of people out there that I think are kind of. Um, and I hate to use the word ignorant, but let's just say kind of um, disillusioned about many of the facts, uh, is there has been travel team baseball tournaments in this state for a couple months now, every weekend. Not every once in a while, not with hazmat suits on, but every weekend there have been travel baseball team tournaments around this state. There have been travel team baseball tournaments in other states. And somehow everybody lived. There are high school football workouts that are taking place in this state, and that's been going on for weeks now. Nobody spontaneously combusted. And so when you hear these, there's a lot of other people out there because they'll, they'll just beat the drum over and over and over about this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, without giving you the rest of the facts around the situation. So what does that mean moving forward? Well, if high school football moves it back, and maybe even eliminates a couple of non-district games, I think that's significant. 
I don't know that that means that we're going to cancel the season. The state of Louisiana has come out, the Louisiana High School Activities Association come out and said, you know what, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but we're playing football. And then Cleo Fields, who is a uh, legislator there from Baton Rouge, is recommending that the uh, Louisiana, you know, oversight committee, I guess I guess it's the, uh, the Board of Education there, is encouraging them to cancel all fall sports. And as the Louisiana High School Activities Association came out and said that the school board doesn't have the authority to cancel the seasons, and that, quote, we are playing, exclamation point. I believe that gives everybody a little cover. You know, Don Hent and that group at Mississippi, I'm sure that they've got to do what's best for the state of Mississippi. But when you've got a border state coming out and saying, you know what, we're going to play football. That's what we're going to do. We don't know what you're going to do. We're not going to bow down to this guy, that guy, or whatever, and it's opinion that we're going to play football. We believe the data supports that we should play. They're going to go play. And so I think if I'm Mississippi, I look at that and say, you know what? You know, maybe we push it back a week or two and maybe let them be the guinea pigs and see how things go. And then we'll go from there. You know, and what's interesting, too, is if you look at the Louisiana, like the New Orleans cases, they're actually in better shape. That was an early, early hot spot, you know, after Mardi Gras. And everybody was very critical of New Orleans. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they basically uh, allocated some resources there and kind of had a COVID center put in place, and then and they haven't been able to fill it. And so that is something to consider as we move forward. What does this mean for college football if high school football is played in Louisiana, Mississippi? Uh, you know, just about every Power Five conference has come out and said, hey, listen, we are not going to play non-conference games. And a lot of our people said the, the big joke was, and I even kind of mentioned it on the show last week, I, I hadn't thought it through, is does that mean that the uh, non-conference games makes it are they more contagious than the conference games? But it's really about giving the league some scheduling flexibility. And so if something happens and we have to shut things down temporarily or whatever, then we've got some room to move this around. But this is an unprecedented situation uh, that we're all dealing with, as you guys are well aware. But what is interesting that I think is maybe lost in the discussion is that all the discussions about when we're going to play football and not if we're going to play football. I think everybody realizes we need football. We need football as a country. We need football as a community. We need football as a state. We need football as a people. We need some things to unite us. There are many things out there in the world that are kind of separating us, and I think this is one of those things. And, and listen, everybody says, well, you know, Steve, I, I just want us to play. Whether, whether we have fans or not, I just want us to play. And you know what? I think we all feel that way. I think we all feel that way. I mean, I, and I, I would like to have a sense of normalcy, but not at the, at the risk of, of other people's health. You know, and, and there's so many people out there in that debate that, um, you know, it's very self-centered. You know, it's about what I want and what I think and what I want to do. And I'm guilty of that, too. I am. Uh, and I also understand we have to do what's best for the greater good. And there, there are sometimes I don't get to participate as an adult. And that's the same way when you're a kid. There are just some things you have to miss for one reason or another. You know, maybe you have to make a decision that is somewhat, you know, based on your own best interest. So, you know what, I, as much as I would like to go, I'm not going to go because I am going to make a decision that I feel that is best for my personal well-being. And nobody will judge you differently the same. You know, and there's all these people out here that have, the, you know, the big mask debate. I'm not going to weigh in on any of that stuff. It's a very personal decision. Do what you feel is best for you. 
But I think we always have to look around our community and say, what, what is best for my community? What is best for, you know, my neighborhood? What is best for the other people in Walmart? You know, because how, how would I feel if everybody else only cared about themselves and nobody ever took me into account of things? I don't have all the answers. I am not a scientist or anything like that. And, and it's, what's funny, too, is if I was a scientist, that I, I'm sure that I could find somebody that would agree and others that would disagree with my conclusions because of the fact there is a, a lot about this we don't know, including when and where we're going to play football. But I think it is, remains very significant that the Pac-12, the Big Ten, Big 12, and others have all come out and said, hey, listen, we're going to play a conference-only schedule this year. They didn't say, we're not going to play football. They didn't say, we're going to play the schedule on time. And listen, that, that was the discussion here, I would say, three weeks ago. is like, hey, we, you know, we plan to play the game. The, the schedule is written. And now the big talk is, okay, well, listen, we, we want to have some semblance of a season. So how do we make this thing work? And that's what Greg Sankey and the group are doing out there now. And I'll, I'll share with you this. If, if those of you that haven't kind of kept up the last several years – Greg Sankey and the rest of the SEC are not going to play follow the leader. You know, they're going to do what's best for the SEC. If that means playing an eight-game schedule, that's what they're going to do. But they're not going to do something simply because the Big Ten does it. There has been no NCAA oversight in this matter, and that's one of those things that I find somewhat interesting. And maybe that's a good thing in some respects. Because I think the NCAA absolutely overstepped their bounds when they made the call back in the spring, you know, to, to cancel the spring seasons and championships and all that without talking to anybody, just kind of on their own, made this unilateral decision, say, you know what, this is what we're going to do, and you guys are going to deal with it. And if you remember, Greg Sankey went out publicly and kind of said, you know, listen, they didn't have any input from us. We would have liked to have had a dialogue with them. I, I think that's one of the reasons the NCAA is probably maybe sitting back just a bit right now. And it's one of those things, too, you begin to question leadership. You know, if the NCAA had strong leadership, which it does not, but if it did, you know, they would have probably reached out to everybody prior to making the decision and say, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We wanted to give you a heads up because if I remember it correctly, Greg Sankey and the other league commissioners uh, kind of find, found out just like you and I did. You know, when the NCAA made the announcement, it went right down to everybody. So there was no involvement in the deliberations uh, by the Power Five commissioners. So I believe, and again, this is kind of an, an educated opinion, that the NCAA is kind of allowing everybody else to do their own due diligence before they step in. Uh, but how good would it be if we had leadership in the NCAA that the rest of the conferences believed in and so they believed that they were acting on the best interest of the game? in best interest of each and every conference. And everybody kind of got in, had a unified front and saying, listen, we believe this is what is best for our game. You know, I have had several discussions with, uh, you know, a lot of people that have some skin in the game when it comes to this, they don't play it down to football. They depend on football. And there are a lot of people, they don't even want to really have the conversation because they know what their profit loss statement is going to look like for 2020 if we don't play football and so we've got to figure all this out it's too important but it's not just the financial part of it I mean I think there is there is an emotional attachment to all of this for everybody that 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 will kind of fuel our collective psyche in a positive direction we need something to cheer about it's as simple as that we need a national distraction 
you know, it's, inc- it's incredible to me how everybody has become such experts you know, on Facebook. And uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but there are so many people that have, I, I don't know if they got like, went through like some six-week online course and have become doctors or whatever. There are so many people now that speak so authoritatively and so intelligently about these topics, and it's really just one of those things, they just kind of go with how the wind blows. I think we need to break from all that. I think we need to get on there and argue about football. We need to argue about the Egg Bowl. I, I am about to request somebody's phone records just to remind myself that I'm alive. That's a joke, but you understand what I'm saying. We need we need some of that again. We need to be able to have you know some of that friendly acrimony that rivalry brings. You know, we had the Jerry and Jones thing earlier, and you know, that 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 proved to be something that blew up in the face of the Ole Miss folks that were so that were ready to rub our nose in it that in turn had it blow up in theirs. But that faded. We need games. We need to be able to come out there and have a couple months and say, you know what, we're going to kill you guys. We're going to kick your tails, and we're going to make you like it. We need to be able to talk a little trash. We need to be able to bob and weave a little bit, be out there and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do, because I believe that is healthy. The other people, they want us to go hold hands and sing Kumbaya, uh, and eat a bowl of quinoa and put on a mask and walk around like everything is just so dadgum lovely. You know, uh, that's not what I'm going to encourage you to do. You know, part of football is competition. Whether we're playing or not, we feel us, uh, you know, some kinship with our teams. And I think at this point, we're ready to go talk trash to anybody. Uh, you guys want to line up uh, the Mississippi School of Math and Science to play a little bit? Let's go. Let's get after it, boys. You know, that, that's how I feel. I'm ready to have something like that. To and I, and I don't mean, listen, I don't want to have to go take up a new sport or go pick a new team, all that kind of stuff, uh, just to remind myself that there, there's competition going on. I want to watch the Mississippi State Bulldogs play. That's what I want to do. I want to see it. And there's been some discussions, okay, well, what do we do? What are the protocols? What do we do with the media? I had somebody share with me, and while there hasn't been an official declaration yet, this is one thing that I was told, is that, you know, in in high school football, one of the proposals that they're going to do is to extend the box all the way down to the 10-yard line so the players can spread out. Now, the coaches can't get out of the coaching box, but the players, to kind of socially distance and stay off from under each other, they'll have the ability to roam all the way down to the 10-yard line. And the people like myself, us photogs, photogs, and riders would uh, would be relegated to the end zones, and that's cool too. You know, I'll, I'll, whatever we got to do, I just want to be able to go watch the game and cover a game, and be able to go back and talk about okay, this happened because it reminds me that there is something to continue living for. There's something out there that, that says, you know what, we're going to get back some of what we lost. And I don't know that life is ever going to be quote unquote the same anymore. You know, I've read some articles that, it, that there will be people wearing masks probably for the next several years. And there are, there are some people right now that are just going to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to sign up for that. I'm just not going to do it. And then there's this discussion about this n- national shortage of change. What? What? How did that happen? How did we, how did we run out of change? And you, you got, if, you, if you use cash and pay with cash, you get your change back on a gift card. And, and then they encourage you to use your debit card or your credit card. How, how does this happen? Somebody make make that make sense to me. I don't. I don't know how many people were using cash in the first place. I mean, are there really that many people out there spending cash outside of a strip club or a bar? I mean, really? 
I just don't know. But there's a lot of that that goes on. And I, don't, I don't fully appreciate that. And, 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 you know, maybe I am the ignorant one here, but I just don't see how we get into that situation that banks and other businesses are begging people to bring their change in. It just seems weird to me. I'm not going to get into all the Illuminati and New World Order talk and that sort of stuff, but it just seems kind of weird to me. It's, and, you know, maybe... You know, when they first started doing everything on debit cards and EBT cards and all that kind of stuff, you, you kind of had a feeling that, you know, cash was kind of going out of style. But, uh, you know, you know, my guy that's selling um, the fresh vegetables down on 12, that guy doesn't have a card reader. You know, maybe he needs to get one. But, you know, that, that's just, there's so much of that that happens. You begin to ask yourself, you know, we've got this disease out here, but it seems like it's almost like um, – pork barrel spending back years ago in this in the uh, federal government it's like they would find a cause that everybody would support and just start piling stuff on and tacking stuff on on top of it and that's kind of how this feels it's like okay i just need to be safe and then I, well, hey well since we're all doing this let's change this let's change that let's do this let's do that we, we've been putting this off for a long time and we never had the courage to bring it up or we didn't have the support to get it passed so let's do this now. Let's do that. You know, those are the things I look at, and I'm beginning to think you know, people are very opportunistic when they see these things progress. And so, but that's where we are. And so later today, we'll find out, you know, what the SEC is going to do. I suspect, and again, I have no inside information right now, but I suspect that we're just going to come out and say this is what we're going to do. But I don't think that Greg Sankey is going to go along just as what everybody else does because that's just not what Greg Sankey does. You know, Greg Sankey is a bit of a leader. I mean, Greg Sankey really is a leader. Again, I've shared with you guys, uh, I, I get a little bit, um, you know, over the skis a little bit when I think the league reaches out and, um, you know, and uh, looks the other way when it comes to football officiating. I think that whole that SEC Twitter account, remember that? Remember what a, what a turd that ended up being? They said, hey, look, we're going to have this uh, SEC officials Twitter account and we're going to, anytime that we've got controversial calls, things that we're going to address it and explain it, well, they didn't do it. Everything they did was self-serving. Every single thing they did was to show that the league made the right call or an official made the right call. They never put up there, hey, we screwed up and we're sorry, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to suspend this official for a week, whatever. Never, ever, ever, ever did any of that. It was not transparent in any way. The whole thing was this complete window dressing to make the league look better. Uh, and so I think that is complete garbage. Uh, but I, I trust in this situation that they'll make better decisions. If you haven't done so, go visit our friends at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Listen, you owe it to yourself. Invest in your own scent. Okay, guys? And I don't mean just go spend a ton of money on cologne. Go find what fits you. Find what matters. Take a short two-minute quiz. I don't even think it takes two minutes. Take this short quiz, and I know you're probably curious like me. When I first heard, what, there's a quiz to take? What? I mean, do I pass, do I fail? What's going on? Now, you pass the quiz, and then they pair you up with products that best fit your preferences. That's a cool thing. What do you have to lose other than probably some cologne that doesn't fit you in the first place? Without a doubt, the Hawthorne cologne is the best cologne I've ever worn. And, I, and I'm not just saying that for the fun of it. It's true. You can ask the people that know me. I'm very, very much in favor of this. They've got uh, body wash, they've got shampoo, conditioner, uh, lotion, everything. Everything you need to smell good, you can find it at hawthorne.co. Use promo code BONEYARD, it's B-O-N-E-Y-R-D, and uh, unlock some potential savings for yourself. I think you'll be glad you did. Again, it's hawthorne.co. A lot of feedback from you guys on the top ten list of uh, last 
last week, Van Halen week, several people reached out. Several, I would say, among the most discussed topics, the top ten list that I've had. And uh, today's list is going to come from uh, Philip Sukup. And if I pronounce that wrong, Phil, I'm sorry. It's at Phil for MSU on Twitter. At Philip, that's one L. Sukup. And I, again, I hope I got it right. If I didn't, I apologize. He, he made a great recommendation. Somebody else mentioned something similar to us a while back, and I, I, didn't, I never got back to it. You know, the world changed a lot. But uh, it's which TV dad would I most want to be my dad? I had, I have, I had a great dad. My dad, Freddie Robertson, graduated from Mississippi State and uh, went to work for Farmers Home Administration and worked for them for 33 years and was head of inventory properties when they became rural development and, and did a lot to help the great farmers in the state of Mississippi. Grew up a, uh, the son of a dairy farmer in Jones County there on Augusta Road in Ellisville, Mississippi. That's where we're from. That's where my dad was from, and that's, that's the old homestead, as my dad used to call it. But if I had to pick a TV dad to be my dad, this, this is the list, okay? And we're going to do them in order. And i got different reasons for each. And some of these, like, because of the fact that we had WTBS as a kid, I got to see a lot of those other programs that kind of went off in the infancy of, of my youth, you know. And so, so this is going to cover a wide range, wide range, of television programming over the years. Coming up just short on the list, Herman Munster, for obvious reasons, right? Gomez Adams and Howard Cunningham. And one of the reasons Mr. C didn't make the list, even though he was cool, is because, you know, he, he was really kind of a support character. He was a bit of a softy as a dad. You know, Fonzarelli was was kind of the muscle in that group, that operation. But those are my honorable mentions. But here we go, you know, 10 through 1. Number 10 for me, Charles Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie. Guy knew how to raise his family on the food of the land, had good values, willing to get out there and fight a little bit. Don't forget he was a bonanza. Number 9 for me would be Fred Sanford. From Sanford and Son, because number one, he was always funny, always funny, always had something going on. You never knew what to expect, uh, and he kind of kept Lamont guessing a little bit. But when Lamont needed him, Fred could get serious when he needed to. He was always there, always there for Lamont. Fred Sanford, great dad, great show, a lot of fun. Number eight for me, a a modern, probably the only guy on the list. Yeah, the only guy on the list, a more modern show. That's Jack Pearson from This Is Us, probably setting new standards for what dad should be in America these days. Jack Pearson always knew the best dates to go on, always worked hard to make a living, served the country. There's a lot of great value in Jack Pearson. I know many of you watch that. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. 
serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Show we do too. Number seven, going back a few years, Ward Cleaver. I don't know that there was more wisdom than in the head of Ward Cleaver. Married a beautiful woman, had a great life, had a couple of great sons, and, uh, and, and listen, was a good enough dad to let Eddie Haskell hang around, even though Eddie was a bit of a knucklehead. But Ward always had the big lesson. You know, like when at the end of the show, everything, you know, it all, all kind of came around, and, and he, was, he was tough on his kids, but he wasn't uh, so much of a disciplinary, and they couldn't have some fun. Ward Cleaver, number seven. Number six, going back again, Mike Brady. The only problem about that would be is I wouldn't be able to date uh, Marsha, even though that would, she would technically be a stepsister. It would be kind of weird. Um, Mike Brady, another guy that always seemed to have it all figured out, was always kind of a fun dad, willing to get out there and do some cool things. Um, and, again, this is a guy, too, that took in uh, you know, three, three young ladies that were not uh, you know, his girls and uh, helped raise them, too. There's, and there's a lot to be said for stepdads in the world. They don't, I don't know if they get enough credit, to be honest with you. I've got a great stepdad. Saw him over the weekend, as a matter of fact. But uh, there are a lot of stepfathers out there that step up and help raise somebody else's kids that um, don't always get the thumbs up. Yeah, they're involved in Father's Day, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things that's a little bit different. And I, I know that I would not be the person I am today if I had not had some great step-parents in my life. Not to say that I wanted my family uh, to divorce in any way whatsoever, but... Um, I'm very grateful that the two men that were involved in raising me, my dad and stepfather, were both very high-quality men. So thumbs up to you, Mike Brady, wherever you are today. Number five, you know, and maybe this is because of the fact that, um, you know, he started out as a bit of a hippie and uh, kind of worked his way into being America's dad, and that's uh, Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. You should love the Family Ties show. Michael J. Fox, of course, ends up being the biggest star. Justine Bateman, of course. I was part of that. But uh, it was a great sitcom. A lot of good values in that show. But it, wa- but it wasn't the typical sitcom. They, they, you know, Family Ties kind of dealt with some things that were a little edgier. You know, it wasn't as simple as some kid breaking out a window and lying about it. You know, they, you know, Michael J. Fox one time got involved with drugs on the show. They talked about some of that stuff. And so it was a little bit edgier, shall we say. Number four for me. That's Philip Banks. That's Uncle Phil for most of y'all from The Fresh Prince. Uh, not just because of the fact that he could shoot a, a mean pool game, but he always seemed to be a guy that knew how to handle himself. You know, no matter the circumstances, if Phil needed to kind of get down and get dirty, he could. If he needed to be sophisticated, he could be. He had a lot of range as a dad, but he was always there for his family. And, uh, again, I, I think that's one of those families, you know, of the modern age that people look at and say, you know what, I wish my family looked a lot like that. Of course, he uh, – Took in uh, Will Smith, you know, who, who was uh, who's been in the news a little bit as of lately in an unfortunate situation there. But uh, you know, Will moves in with his successful family there in in, uh, in Bel Air and um, moves all the way across the country and 
And Uncle Phil took care of him like he was one of his own. And, you know, of course, Will's own dad wasn't involved in his life. But uh, it just goes to show you that uh, you, can out, you can outlive your raising. You can outgrow your raising, pardon me. You, just because you're born into a bad situation doesn't mean you have to live in one. Number three for me, and not just because he was hilarious, but because he was the football king from Polk High School, that's Al Bundy from Married with Kids, uh, always seemed to find a way to – it was always so silly. He found a way to make it all work. Uh, and sometimes if he had to, you know, he could sell shoes and then put his dukes up and make some things happen. Uh, and not to mention the things that Al put up with with Peggy Bundy, for sure. But uh, that Married with Kids show, one of the first shows on Fox, back before Fox was considered a real network. I mean, they were basically on UHF back then. And, uh, and that was one of the shows that kind of led to Fox breaking through, The Simpsons and Married with Kids. They had some great programming, and they were really beginning to kind of outdraw a lot of network programming because people of my generation uh, liked that edgier humor and just thought, you know what, th- I would rather watch this, you know, than watch this other stuff. And so Married with Kids, great show. It, it still comes on, syndicated. Number two for me, going back to the late 70s, early 80s, we're going Philip Drummond. Mr. Drummond, the rich guy, adopts some kids, brings them in, has this great match, and had Mrs. Garrett, who eventually started the Facts of Life show. We could do a whole show on the Facts of Life uh, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, just a great guy. Gave his own heart, had a, had a fortune, and then uh, you know took in some kids that were orphans and, and gave them a great life. Now, I'm not, I can't speak to what's happened to those kids uh off scene and off set, but uh, the, the Different Stroke show was a great show, and it was an important show and an important time in American history. It really was. And, and Gary Coleman, I think, made everybody realize, uh, you know, a lot about, you know, he, he was a guy that had some, some physical uh, impairments himself. And um, Gary Coleman, for a while, was kind of America's sweetheart. You know, everybody loved Gary Coleman. He was the coolest kid. But number one for me is Andy Taylor, Sheriff Andy Taylor from Mayberry of the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, number one, uh, Andy, Andy would take you fishing. Andy could get you out of trouble. Uh, and when all those people from Mount Pilot came over looking for trouble, you know, he always knew the right thing to do. Nobody was smarter than Andy Taylor. And Andy always made the right decisions. And then those are just, again, good people. And that's one of the things, too. It's a shame, too, when you I mentioned, you know, I don't watch a lot of network TV, but I do watch a lot of other things. But there's not a lot of people out there that I look at and say, you know what? That guy's a great dad. That guy kind of uh, inspires you to want to be a better parent. There's not a lot of that on today's TV. And uh, I could probably go on and on about that. You know, I don't know that we – I think sometimes, you know, people say, well, you know, you know, back in the days, those, uh, those values and many of those shows were unattainable. They weren't real. Uh, I think we have lowered the bar so much with TV programming these days that um, there, there's not a lot out there that inspires people. But, you know, that's my, my opinion. Yours may differ. Uh, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. You should go by and check them out when you're in town. Go by and see them as an institution here in Starkville, just right off of campus right there. And for those of you that are curious, there, there are some people that say, well, Steve, I've never been there. So here's what you do. When you come in on 182... You know where the Highway Patrol office is? Turn there. Just take that, take that turn right there off of 182 going towards campus. But you go right there, take the turn right there at the, at the High Patrol office, and you keep going, and then Campus Bookmart will be right up there on your left. 
you're going to go in and find a, a fine collection of Mississippi State items there. And if you can't make it to town, perhaps you prefer an online shop, we can help hook you up with that. Visit them at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And let me share with you this too. For those of you that are that are late to the to mask band, bandwagon, pardon me, you can get your Mississippi State mask there. They've got those goiter masks. They've got the pullover mask. They've got any kind of Mississippi State mask. because I see that in every Facebook group that I get involved in. Hey, where can I get a Mississippi State mask? You can get it right there at campusbookmart.net. And you know what? If you get it, buy one for the whole family, be Mississippi State related, and use promo code BSR and save your shipping and all orders over 50 bucks. Simple as that. Go do it. It's a simple that's going to be good quality stuff. Miss Kathy Brown is going to make sure that you have high quality Mississippi State merchandise. And so, again, find your mask. Get yourself some stuff to wear this fall as we get ready to go play football because I still believe and expect us to play football. It, I, it's pretty obvious it's going to be an abbreviated schedule, but it, I think it's pretty apparent we're going to play football. So, so we'll see. I may feel differently tomorrow, but I feel that way today. For those of you that are unaware, over the weekend, Jeff Simmons was in town. Jeff Simmons, Montez Suelta, Elton Jenkins, Gary Green, Farad Green, many others came in. Jeff Simmons originally planned to do his first ever football camp uh, in Macon, they had some difficulties there, and then uh, Mayor Lynn Sproul and the great staff here in Starkville allowed them to use the sportsplex right here in Starkville, right here, right here in Starkville, made the move, got them over here, and so they had the kids' camp, and then they had the prospect camp, and so I was a little curious how that worked legislatively uh, because there's a lot of people out there, you know, you're not supposed to have contact with recruits if you're a donor or a uh, representative of the university's athletics interest. My understanding is because this is a camp that is open to the public and that everybody fills out a registration form and pays their own way and they go to get instruction that uh, it is perfectly legal to do so. Where you get into trouble is when you start having these clandestine conversations and uh, personal relationships and the only time that people get involved with each other is during the recruiting process. So it's a little different this time uh, kind of going through that. So a lot of kids turned out. Haven't seen the numbers. Paul Jones and Robbie Falk went and covered for us. Uh, I was away, you know, dealing with a family deal with my, my aunt dying. But uh, we're going to have coverage on that. Matter of fact, Paul's already put up a couple things. We had a Macklin Pounder story and uh, a Ty Cooper story went up today. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about those guys. Didn't get a chance to see them. Would have loved to have seen, uh, especially Pounders. I don't know when I'll have a chance to get to Bahalia. But uh, Pounders is one of those guys. That was a huge early win for Mississippi State on the recruiting trail. And I think in some ways it's kind of lost a little bit of its luster because people forget how much we wanted that guy. But this is a guy that's continued to be recruited by Memphis and, and hearing some from Ole Miss. But uh, just listen, I, I don't anticipate any drama with him. I know there's some other people out there that are working hard, of course, always to get quality players. And so there will be some other people that will probably emerge late. But what, based on what I understand about the relationship that he has built with Mason Miller, that that is going to be something that we expect to kind of continue to go in our direction. People forget, too, he is Chris Rayford's cousin. Chris Rayford came to Mississippi State, had a great experience here at Mississippi State. 
there are a lot of people that thought, you know, Rayford's a little bit of a questionable take. Chris Rayford is probably the best gunner we have ever had in the history of punt returns at Mississippi State University. He also played just about every spot in the secondary at some point because he's a team player, one of the most intelligent guys, and was the fastest player on the Mississippi State roster his junior and senior years. The number two guy was uh, Jaquarius Landros. But uh, be it as it may, because of the fact that Chris had such a great experience here, uh, that only helps Mississippi State. Because of the fact Malcolm Pounders kind of understands, hey, listen, this is my guy that told me, hey, this is where you eat, and this, you take this professor and you take this class, and this is somebody that will do a good job for you, and, and uh, this guy's on campus in football, and they'll do this for you. And so I think it helps to have a man on the inside. It helps to have somebody who has been here that can be your advocate. And I think that's been a big part of his recruitment. It's just the reassurance of knowing, you know what, I've got somebody that if I ever need to call and ask questions about Mississippi State, I've got somebody that has been with me my entire life. Not some Johnny come lately that's put organizing football workouts and want me to come so they can glean information for me. Uh, so the next part of that is is uh, Ty Cooper. We've talked about him some on the show. Probably the only Power Five D lineman in the state right now. I still think Devin Smith at Biloxi will probably get an opportunity somewhere, but I still think he ends up as an offensive lineman. Uh, I think Devin Smith's a guy that can play, but Ty Cooper, to me, is the one guy you look at right now, and he, he really checks the boxes. I was surprised it took so long for State to offer, and, of course, once State did, Ole Miss jumped in. It'll boil down to those two. I continue to hear from people in the area that Ty and his dad both have grown up cheering for Mississippi State in every single egg ball. That Ty Cooper is a guy that uh, wanted to go to Mississippi State. He is going to go through the process. He's going to – uh, what there is in the process, he is going to probably take some visits or, or two. But, uh, you know, now he's really talking about making a decision sometime early in the season. I had been told shortly after State offered that he could, he might go ahead and make a decision then. But it was kind of encouraged, hey, listen, there's no point in rushing anything. I want to get out and take some campus visits. He's been to Ole Miss. He hadn't had a chance to come and sit down with the Mississippi State coaching staff yet. And so there was no rush. So that that's part of the process for him. Uh, you know, we had a situation with Charles Moore a couple of years ago, and people were like, oh, oh, my goodness, how could this happen? And, I, and one thing that I will share about uh, Louisville, we have some great Bulldogs down in Louisville, Mississippi. We do. But it seems that every time that we recruit a kid from Louisville, Mississippi, there ends up being a little bit of uh, chaos. I'm told that won't be the case with Ty Cooper. I'm told that Ty Cooper and his family are just not about any of that kind of stuff, that uh, – Parents very involved in his life, very involved in his decision, very supportive of Ty. Ty's a kid that's going to graduate early. Very good student, very good citizen, uh, very much a Mississippi State kid. Uh, so I'm told not to expect any drama from him, that uh, if there is any drama surrounding his recruitment, it's going to come from some of the schools recruiting him rather than, um, you know, from him himself. He's not a guy that's look, going to look out there to, to draw attention for himself, that he just wants to get better as a football player and make a good decision and, and go to college and get his education and hopefully have a chance to play beyond the college level. So so we'll see how things develop on that front. Canaris Johnson out of Laurel High School committed to Tulane today. A bit of a surprise, but let me share with you this. Uh, this is just one of those deals, really, where I think this is a guy trying to make sure that he has something. Uh, Mississippi State has not really pushed him for a commitment yet. You know, State, of course, got Teddy Knox to commit. We're expecting Malik Neighbors to commit this month. And then they're going to take their time, and they can afford to be a little bit picky with his final two wide receiver spots. 
but I believe at this point that if Mississippi State wants Canarius Johnson, they can go get him because I think he is very much capable of playing in the SEC. Uh, I think this is a situation, too, where he probably wanted to make sure he had something because what if we don't play football, right? God forbid we don't play high school football. Well, then you can't play your way into other options. Those are a big part of things. And again, I expect a ton of decommitments as we get closer, a ton. And I think this is one of them. I'll be very surprised if this commitment to Tulane holds. Very, very, very surprised. Uh, so we'll see how things progress there. But, uh, again, I, I don't – you know, when people see a kid commit, they think, oh, well, it's over. No, this one's not over by any stretch of the imagination. He's too good a player. And that's not to say that he wouldn't have a great career at Tulane because I believe that he would. Uh, but I believe he is good enough to play in the SEC, and I believe – that uh, that's where ultimately where he'll end up. Now, Mississippi State, of course, uh, tr- getting a little more serious, I guess, about in-state recruiting. I suspect that you will see some big things happen with him sooner rather than later. Now, that said, there was a lot of discussion from him recently that uh, he was going to kind of wait the process out a little bit. So the fact that he committed when he did is probably uh, the biggest surprise of the recruiting cycle so far. I- I'm Again, I don't think that one's over by any stretch of the imagination. Very, very good player. A guy that's going to have an opportunity to, to play football and be a very productive college player. I, I, I have not backed off my evaluation on him one bit. I know some people on our message board have said, well, you know, he, he should, he, he's probably not what you guys say he is if he's committed to Tulane. Number one, I think that's disrespectful to him, not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, Coach Hall and those guys down at Tulane have done a good job recruiting the state of Mississippi. And uh, this is not a situation where State has lost a kid to Tulane. This is a situation where Tulane was ready to take a kid before Mississippi State was, and the kid's like, you know what, i got to go where I'm wanted, and i got to make sure i got something. But, again, I don't count out a, a flip in the situation at all. I think K.J. is a very, very talented player, and I think Mississippi State, should they, should they recalibrate a little bit and say, you know what, let's go full bore and get this kid, they will. I think this kid is capable of playing – in the, uh, the cathedrals of the SEC and making plays, especially in an offensive system like this. So where, where do we go from here recruiting-wise? You know, there's a lot of discussion out there, you know, right now about, well, you know, now that we're so late in the, the year and, um, you know, guys are in their, in their football workouts, that things are going to kind of slow down as we, uh, as we get into the season. You know, I think everybody right now, that's why Canaris Johnson's commitment is kind of surprising because of the timing. I think everybody had kind of settled in and said, okay, this is kind of where we are for now. And there were a few guys that were planning to make a decision next month right before the season began. But with everything so up in the air, you know, I don't think there's any code of conduct out there. I don't think you look at it and say, well, okay, well, this is the natural order of things, so we're going to follow that. I just don't believe that's true. I think there's a lot of things out there that are taking place. And uh, I think some kids are probably panicking a little bit. A lot of kids out there are thinking, you know what, I'm getting letters and I'm getting – you know, some interest, but I'm, I'm not getting the offers I expected to get. And so, and now, you know, this school here is saying, you listen, I'm only going to take two guys at your position. You got to make sure you get it. And you panic and you jump in the boat. So then what happens when, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Auburn and those schools come back and offer late? Well, you know, that's just typically what happens is then all of a sudden they've made a reservation rather than a commitment. But if you look at them, they begin to think, okay, well, what do I do if I don't get those offers? I, I can't run the risk of not having a major college opportunity, so I'm going to go ahead and line up and make a decision now, make a commitment to protect myself and to protect my interests for the future. Uh, and that's nothing against the junior college ranks, but it's one of those things, you know what, I, I don't want to end up having to go to junior college when I had the opportunity to go to a grade four-year school. 
lot of discussion out there, too, speaking of junior college, and I probably should have mentioned this in the opening of the show, that the NJCAA is going to move football to the spring. Um, that's going to be very interesting because there are so many of the great players in, in the NJCAA that are going to be December graduates. And so if they're going to be December graduates, they're not going to be available to play. So what does that do for their eligibility counter? You know what I'm saying? So now it's like, okay, so you played as a freshman last year. And let's just take for an example, let's just say you got a kid at Etiwama Community College. And let's say he played as a freshman and earned an offer from Ole Miss and uh, committed to Ole Miss. Well, then all of a sudden, this is the guy that's going to be able to enroll in January. So now all of a sudden, he's at Ole Miss in January instead of in Fulton. And so now he still has three years of eligibility to play. And so that could be a great thing for that kid. But what about those other kids out there that are, uh, you know, they're going to play in the spring and they were looking to play their way into some offers. Well, signing day is in February. So when are we going to play? And so those are things that we are all kind of figuring out. It's like every day you turn around, the world is upside down. It's like something is changing. When, and, and there are many people that have said, you know what, we should flip football and baseball anyway. We should play baseball in the fall and football in the spring. Well, here's the problem with that, is if you play baseball in the fall, by the end of the season when you're getting ready to do regionals and you're getting ready to do those things, it's getting cold up north. So, and when, so when do we start? Do we start playing baseball in September? Because, you know, we play right now, we play February to May. So we get February, March, April, May. So we're going to start playing in September, then by November, and it's, it's, uh, it's snowing up in Utah. So BYU can't play. Utah can't play. You know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to flip in that direction. But, uh, you know, at, at this point, I don't rule out anything. But I think there are a lot of people out there that understand how dependent on sports these communities are, especially college towns like Mississippi State. I know that factors in. I know that it does, and it should. I know for us, you know, listen, we're getting ready to uh, publish, uh, getting ready to push out on the book for me. And uh, matter of fact, it goes to lay out on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, but it'll be this week. You know, I did the final read on chat of the, the book over the weekend, and you, know, you made a couple changes here and there, and, and there's always things that you, you it's never over. You know, it's never over. I mean, you can just mess with it, mess with it, mess with it, and say, well, I can reword this and reword that. And at some point, you just got to say, okay, we're done. Let's move forward. But that's one of those things you think about. It's okay, but what do we do? You know, how many books will they print on the first run, not knowing if we're going to play football because we do so many book signings during, you know, game day. You know, we didn't do as many this year. It's because of the fact that, uh, you know, we had so many home games uh, early in the season. So we missed out on some of those September ones. So we're going to try to have a book out to you uh, late August, early September. But it, this is something that affects all of us. You begin to think, okay, well, if we're going to do this and let's go ahead and print a bunch of books, but then we're not going to have game day signings. And, uh, and then there, will there be people reluctant to come to book signings anyway? What do you do for holiday shopping? And so uh, we're going to get out and do the best we can. And uh, you guys will as well. And you can find all, of course, you'll be able to shop online. You can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com right now, and you can get a copy of Flim Flam and Stark Villains, and then Alpha Dogs will be there soon. Soon. As soon as we push it out to print, once once the publisher signs up on everything and the book's laid out, uh, then we're going to put that thing up for, for pre-order, and then um, we'll have a book for you sooner rather than later. But I'm excited about all that. I'm excited for you guys to have these stories. Every time I read through it, there's something that stands out to me, and I feel so proud and so honored to be able to tell some of these stories. And so 
I was reading the Timmy Bauer story yesterday, and I included the part about, uh, you know, the Ole Miss game. You know, when Carl Hass threw Rick Stansberry out, and uh, there's, that's the choke game. And that was the Road Warriors year. And then, I, and then we talked about Alabama. We talked about winning in Tuscaloosa to clinch the outright SEC championship. And it made me a little bit sad. You know, I had those fond remembrances of that great team. But it made me a little bit sad about how our interest level in men's basketball is not what it once was. I remember, and people forget this. I mean, I, you know, I forgot it until I went back and wrote it. We were returning one starter on that team. And that was Timmy. That was it. Shane Power had transferred in, had to sit out the year before. Winston Frazier had been a bench player. Uh, Brandon Vincent was a junior college transfer. Lawrence Roberts, of course, transferred in after all the Baylor nonsense. So you bring in one player back, and then you win an SEC championship with a bunch of kids that didn't know each other. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. And so I remember then we thought, you know what, we had arrived. We were ready to compete. We were ready to advance deep into the, into the tournament. We didn't. Uh, and so those are the things that I think about and say, you know, when did we kind of lose our way? You know, I think many of us lost our hearts out there in Hawaii when Elgin Bailey and um, Renato Sidney came to blows out there, and we all woke up that morning to see that awful sight. I think that took a lot of wind out of our sails as basketball fans. And then Stansberry retires. And then Rick Ray comes in, and it seemed like it took us forever to find a basketball coach. I think a lot of people just said, you know what, I haven't got a lot of juice for the squeeze for men's basketball. You know, we've had some, some good teams to cheer about. We've won the West a few times. We won the SEC. We couldn't make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And if I'm not mistaken, we have not made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament since we went to the Final Four in 1996. So it's been almost 25 years now. And so it's incredible to think, you know, as great as we are at baseball and as good as we are at football at times, we're not a basketball school and we really haven't been a basketball school in a long, long time. But I remember those Stansberry years. We felt like something big was happening and, and maybe because of the fact we were so bad at football during that stretch that we gravitated. You know, that was some – listen, the 2000s were not great years for Mississippi State baseball. They weren't great years for Mississippi State football. But there were some really great years for Mississippi State men's basketball. And reading that Timmy Bauer story again yesterday reminded me of how great we once were and how great we could be again. That's going to do it for today. Visit StarkVillains.com and order yourself some shirts. You can do that. Get hoodies. It's going to get cool at some point, I promise. Uh, and you can get, of course, uh, really anything you need. You can get your, More than likely, you can get your school colors. If your kids go to Starkville High School or Starkville Academy, you can get Stark Villains gear in your school colors right there at StarkVillains.com. And I can promise you your kids want to wear it. They do because they want to be cool like me. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.